0: There are certain assurances, certain things that Christians are absolutely sure of. And did you know that those who are not Christians, those who are not followers of Christ, don't share Those uh, sureties don't share that solid conviction that these things are true. For example, we know, and we know this for sure, that if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you have eternal life. We know that. People wonder how to get life. They wonder how to have eternal life. We're sure of how you have eternal life. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ believes in the name of the Son of God has eternal life. We have, a, we have another surety. We know that when we, when we ask God for things, He hears us so we are sure of things that people who aren't Christians aren't sure of. I love John's writing and how he writes. I like how black and white he is in the things he writes. Uh, No gray areas to John in terms of what he knows he's trying to communicate. John chapter 20, verse 31. So this is at the end of the gospel of John. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He knew why he wrote the gospel of John. Absolutely sure of it. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's why that book was written. And we get to 1 John and look at it. And we see that John has the same kind of clarity about why he's written this book. 1 John chapter 1, and this is a bit of a review here, but we're at the end of the book. We're writing these things so that your joy may be complete. John knew why he was writing this book. And he was writing this book so Christians would have full, complete, perfect joy. Christians are supposed to have Joy. then he goes on and writes a bit more and then he says this in chapter 2 verse 1 my little children i'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin he knew why he was writing it christians yes christians we have joy full complete perfect joy but we also are supposed to be people who don't Want to sin, don't enjoy sin, aren't attracted to sin. He's writing this so oh, we may not sin. John knows why he's writing. He's straightforward about it. Chapter 2, verse 26 I write these things about those who are trying to deceive you. He doesn't want Christians to be tricked. My pastoral observation is that it's not that hard to trick some Christians. (laughs) It's just my observation. And I think it happens because people aren't in here. There are many other places trying to figure out what they believe. I'm writing these things so that you will not be deceived. And then go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. He says, I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of Son of God, the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Are you here tonight? Do you believe in the name of the Son of God? Do you believe? then there's something you should know for absolute certain. You have eternal life. Woo, amen. You have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Got a cheering crowd on your right. That's good. Bless you. Just out cheer her. First John in the book of first John 28 times, 28 times. John writes, We know. 28 times. We know. The first two are uh, chapter 2 and verse 3, and chapter 2, verse 5. And by the end of the chapter, end of the book, he said it 26 more times. We know. We know. Christians, we're not supposed to live our faith wondering what we believe. Did you hear that? We're not supposed to live our faith wondering what we believe. We are supposed to know what we believe. John says it 26 times, 28 times in this book. And in the portion we're reading tonight as we wind up this 10-month series on 1 John, Uh, I want you to notice uh, this truth again. So 1 John chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse 13, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin. But But there is sin that does not lead to death. We know eternal life. Sounds to me that our faith is not meant to be lived in doubt. We're supposed to know. (laughs) Supposed to know. Now this is written in the context, and the commentators and scholars agree with this consistently that First John was written in the context of uh, an outbreak of a, ther- of a heresy called Gnosticism, or Gnosticism. Now, it's rooted in the word gnosis, uh, which means to know or to have knowledge. And we're supposed to know, we're supposed to be sure, we're supposed to be certain, we're supposed to be convinced. Gnosis is not wrong. But Gnosticism, this heresy that was floating around, said the highest level of knowledge is mystical, a special revelation and deep spirituality uh, uh, comes through special or secret knowledge. So John is writing this book to say, you guys, you guys, This stuff is no secret. You don't need to get in a room and lock yourself in it and go, Ooh, 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 I got it. I got some special revel. You don't need to live with God like that. That's Gnosticism. Looking for some special revelation so you'll understand things better. We know, we know. I think this is a particularly poignant reminder for those of us who like to swim in the Pentecostal stream or whatever you want to call it, the charismatic stream, the full gospel stream, whatever you want to call it. Because we have a tendency sometimes to go... waiting for God to teach us something when we already should know it. We know. My master's degree is in historical theology, so it's not just in... uh, What the book says, it's what the church has said about what the book says for the last two centuries. That's my master's degree. The history of theological movements. And in Canadian Pentecostalism, after about 10 years, uh, there was a split right down the middle, and I'm thankful to report that the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada landed on the right side of the split. But in our early years, there were a whole lot of people going around. Do you want me to do it again? <laughs> and getting revelations that were contrary to scripture, but who could argue with them because they said God said, it's a special revelation. You don't understand it because you're not spiritual enough. If you were godly and had this special gnosis about you, then you would get this. And John says, huh, guys, this is nonsense. The bedrock of our faith is not feelings. No. The bedrock of our faith is not special revelation. Right. We build our faith on what we no. know. That's right. 28 times we know. 28 times. We know. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. We should be listening to this guy. And this is where we started last September. This guy who's written this book wrote about that which was from the beginning. The stuff when Jesus started just started doing things, which we have heard. He said, I heard it with my own ears. I saw it with my own eyes. We looked and have touched him with our own hands concerning the word of life. This guy was not a fake. This guy is real. I know what I'm talking about. And he goes on and says 28 times we no, Second Peter chapter 1, verses three and four. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. How do you get to know God through the knowledge of of Him? Who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises. You get to know him. You get to know his precious and great promises. So that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. How do you get to know God? Through the exceeding great and precious promises you get this knowledge of hell. John chapter 8, this is Jesus talking now, verses 31 and 32. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, uh, you are truly mighty. How do you know if you're truly the Lord's disciples? Oh, you spend a lot of time every day going, woo! Oh, no, it's not not, not what he said. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't say. Abide in my word, and you'll get a lot of really nice, tingly feelings, and those tingly feelings will set you free. It's not what it says. Your faith, my friends, and, and, and please don't misinterpret me here. I don't want anybody leaving here saying, Pastor John thinks it's wrong for us to have feelings. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Feelings are a gift from God. Emotions are a wonderful thing. But we don't build our life on emotions and feelings. Wake up one morning. Oh, wow. I sure feel like a Christian today. (laughs) And the next morning. What's wrong? I I don't feel Jesus anywhere. You live your Christian life like that, you're going to be living your life like this. We need to know. We need to know. 28 times in this book. We know your feelings are not going to set you free. They're just going to put you on a spiritual roller coaster. So, in verses 18, 19, 20, we're going to take a quick look at what we know. The last three we know's in this book. Verse number 18. We know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who has been born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that. We know that. Being born of him changes everything he who is born of God does not keep on sinning now let's be crystal clear what this doesn't say this doesn't say he who is born of God does not sin that's not what this says He who is born of God does not, what's it say? Does not keep sinning. A person who is born of God cannot keep on sinning. It. We all sin, we all stumble, we all fail. But it becomes abhorrent to us becomes ugly to us. It becomes distasteful to us. It leaves a sour taste in our mouths. We know this. Everyone who is born of God does not keep on sinning. consistent truth in, in in John's writing here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. This we know that we have, uh, by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. <laughs> See, before you're a Christian, how, how do you live? How do you think? Before you're a Christian. You don't wake up in the morning and say, I wonder what God wants me to do today I wonder what the scriptures say about how I'm supposed to live today people who aren't Christians don't think like that last thing that comes to their mind in the morning but if we know him something changes and we get up in the morning and we God what's your word say about this how am i supposed to be living this out lord teach me from your word i want to know your commandments i want to know your direction chapter 2 verse uh, 29 if you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him everything changes when you become a christian all of a sudden you want to practice righteousness everything changes chapter 1 verse 8 brings it into some balance though if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us so so we sin but we hate it i i said at the north point venue last sunday evening that i've come a long ways in in 45 years of adulthood, whenever you decide you're an adult, but. And I'm a lot stronger in my faith and my convictions and my character than I was 45 years ago. And yet there are times when I'm walking around our home And my thoughts and words to God are, Oh God, how do you put up with me? I'm so messed up. Come a long ways. And yet the reality is I'm not where I want to be yet, and I'm not where I should be. So what's John doing in this book? John is affirming purification, not perfection. John is affirming purification, not perfection first john uh, chapter th- two three verses two and three behold we 're god 's children and we- and now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope, thus hopes in him purifies them, this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. So, so we, we don't keep on sinning. We know we don't keep on sinning because God's doing something in our heart that says, oh God, oh God, oh God, purify me, purify me, cleanse me, Lord, cleanse me, Lord, cleanse me, Lord. We know that. We know that. And if we just want to keep on sinning, uh, it probably means you need to really come before the Lord and say, God, I believe you are who you are. You, you, you kind of made up your own God. what else do we know what else do we know verse number 19 we know that we are from god and the whole world lies on the power of the evil one listen to how this uh, reads the first half of the verse from other versions english easy to read version we know that we belong to god i do most of my devotional reading in the easy to read version now That's Sister Marina's fault. She introduced me to it. Uh, We know that we belong to God. Easy to read version. Phillips, we know that we ourselves are children of God. New Living Translation, we know that we are children of God. What does a Christian know? We know we belong to God. We know that. We don't have to wake up in the morning and wonder. We know. We know we belong to God. We know we are the children of God. And then we get this absolutely stunning statement in the second half of this verse. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. (laughs) Christians, we're the only ones who get that. If you're not a Christian and you're looking at what's going on in the world, you're rejoicing because man finally has freedom to do whatever they want. But we know the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 4. Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. How does scripture describe the age we live in? present evil age. Why is the present age evil? Because it lies in the power, under the power of the evil evil one. And guess how much of the world lies under the power of the evil one? The whole world. Canada is not an exception in case you thought it was the whole world lies under the power of the evil. evil one ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. make the best of the time you've got because the days are evil. the days we live in are evil colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 When you became a Christian, God delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we belong to God. We're in the kingdom of his beloved son. But we used to be in this domain of darkness. God has transferred us. Hallelujah. God has transferred us. Into the lights. And we we know that. Matthew chapter 12, verse 26. I'm spending some time here because we, we need to understand this. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself, how then will his kingdom stand? So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, Satan has a kingdom. Yeah. Satan has a kingdom. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh God, your kingdom come. Why do we need to pray that? Because Satan has a kingdom and the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Going down just a couple of verses, same chapter. It is, if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what's going on here? There's actually two kingdoms, friends. And Christians understand this. Christians know this. We know this. We are sure of this. There is the kingdom of Satan, his kingdom, and there's the kingdom of God. christians know that we know that we know that one last verse ephesians chapter two verse two not last verse for tonight but on this part on which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience Huh. Francis Schaeffer said this. Bible-believing Christians should never have the reaction designated by the term shocked. Oh, I'm shocked at what's going on. That just means you don't really know what you're (laughs) supposed to know. Nothing that's going on out there should be shocking us. The whole world lies under the power of the Evil evil one. Bible believing Christians should never have their reaction designated by the term shocked. Why? Because there's things we know. There's things we know. So the whole world lies under the air, the air of the prince of the power of darkness. Let me ask you tonight, what air are you breathing? What air are you breathing? (laughs) Are you breathing the air of the kingdom of darkness? Or are you breathing the air of the kingdom of light? What air are you breathing? Miss my dad. We have our big day, one day, all day staff meeting this Thursday at the neighborhood. A year ago at our big staff meeting, we had it in August. My dad passed away during that meeting. I miss him. And I'll never forget the story he told when he gave his life to christ as a a 19 or 20 year old he said he was a rebellious teenager i have trouble picturing my dad as rebellious but he said he was very rebellious but god's spirit got a hold of him one night in a church service and he gave his life to christ And he said, the whole world seemed different to me, the grass seemed greener, the sky seemed bluer, and the air seemed so much fresher. What happened? He was transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Light. He was no longer living under the power of the evil one. The whole world lives under the... whole world is under the power of the evil one. He was now in the kingdom of God. He was a son of God. Uh, Better keep going here. The last we know. Um, Yeah, I should talk about that too before we go to verse 20. Uh, The message version says we know that we're held firm by God. I like what verse number 18 of uh, 1 John chapter 5 says about our relationship with him. God keeps us, God protects us, and God doesn't let the evil one touch us. God's on your side, friends. God's on your side. Wake up every morning and believe it. Wake up every morning and celebrate it. Last thing we know, last thing we know. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is it true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true and eternal God. The true and eternal God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. I've given you a lot of Scripture tonight. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things through whom He created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the world. He upholds the world, uh, the universe, by the word of his power. This This is the Jesus we serve, friends. And we know him. And we know he's true. 28 times in this book, 28 times, John has said to us who are believers, We know, 28 times. We know, how many times? Oh, you guys, I'm going to have to start all over unless I get a better response. You want to hear this whole message again? How many times does John say, we know? 28. 28. 28 times he says, we know. Friends, you don't need to be pursuing some kind of deep emotional (laughs) revelation of Jesus. says, don't get wrapped up. Don't allow yourself to get wrapped up in a bunch of confusion. Don't get deceived. We know. We know, and the truth shall set us free. So here's my my challenge for the week, friends. And Elston's just going to come along and begin to play in a couple of minutes, but Here's what I want you to do this week Mark, cha- the Gospel of Mark. I want to I present you with the Mark Challenge this week. You see, we get to know Jesus <laughs> through the Word. And next weekend, we're going to share communion in our services. And I'm challenging all of you to read two or three chapters of Mark every day this week. Two or three chapters of Mark every day this week. Get through the 16 chapters this week. And I just want you, every time you start to read, to pray this simple prayer. Show me what Jesus was really like, Lord. Just show me what Jesus was really like. We know him. This is how we know him. And I would just love, and and don't prepare half-hour messages, but before we eat the bread and drink the cup next weekend, I'd like to have a number of you just come and say, wow, when I was in Mark 6, I noticed this about Jesus. Friends, we don't... (laughs) need to go anywhere but to his word and we can know we can know we can know 28 times 28 i said 28 times john says we know we know we know